We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 this morning. Mark chapter 5. Jesus is always the same. He never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The author of Hebrews writes, He never changes, but boy, oh boy, can He make life unpredictable. He can make life unpredictable. Despite our knowing His character and that He's unchanging and all-powerful, God's ways are unpredictable for us. Truly, His ways are not our ways. We can't begin to fathom His plans, but make no mistake, God has plans. And as we're looking at Mark chapter 5 today, I want us to note that Mark, as we jump into this passage, Mark has begun a series of stories that display the power of Jesus over situations where people are desperately helpless. Just prior to our text today, we find the disciples, four of of which, at least four of which, were fishermen in a boat on the sea and a storm comes up and they can't control the boat and they believe they're going to perish. It says uh, that a windstorm arose so that, that the boat was already filling and they woke Jesus and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing Take it from me, right? This is not the tax collector talking to you. That's Matthew. This is Peter, James, John. We're fishermen. This is bad. And then after our text today, uh, which Micah preached well uh, just last week, we find uh, that a woman who has an issue of blood that's rendered her unclean for 12 years and isolated her from society and and in Mark 5:26 we read that she had spent all that she had with the physicians but was not not better but grew worse desperate desperate help health situation and after that we find Jairus's daughter she's sick to the point of death at the beginning of the story but as Jesus stops to heal this woman news comes and it says your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further? Mark recalls for us the power of Jesus in all of these desire, these sorry, all of these dire situations where mankind is powerless to help. Men can't calm the raging storm, but Jesus can. Physicians can't heal the unclean woman and make her clean, but Jesus can. Nobody can raise the dead, but Jesus can. Jesus is a man, yes, but so much more. He is the Son of God. And as the Son of God, He powerfully reigns with a purpose. So as we come into our story today, what situation where mankind is powerless do we find? Well, let's begin to read and... uh, I put there in your notes that Jesus purposely meets the unsubduable man. Jesus purposely meets the unsubduable man. Now, why do I say he purposely meets him? Well, because back in Mark 4.35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. So Jesus had a plan to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he, is, uh, he has a plan and a purpose for everything he does. 
And he was going across the sea into a Gentile region for a purpose that would display his power. Jesus goes to an unclean region to meet an unclean man who is indwelt with unclean spirits. Mark chapter 5, look at verse 1 through 3. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And that's a mostly Gentile region. That's why I call it an unclean region. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. So now Gentiles were considered unclean by the Jews. This man is unclean because he's living in a tomb. Tombs are full of dead bodies. Dead bodies makes a person unclean. And so this man is going to be considered unclean. He is indwelt by unclean spirits, demons. And to, to top it off, what, what are the animals involved in our story? I know we haven't read it yet, but some of you may know. Pigs, right? Now, when we think of pigs, we think bacon, and that makes us smile and feel good. But for the Jewish audience, that's an unclean animal. Right? So everything about this story, for the, for the Jewish mind, when they read this story, they, got a, they have an, an ooh factor going on. Right? It makes them real uncomfortable. So, Jesus goes into this region, and now we see the situation where the men of that region are powerless. Look at uh, the second part of verse 3. This man who lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, But he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Now, if you want to think, when we think about Samson and the strength that he had, a lot of a lot of times Samson is portrayed in in media as this really bulky, huge guy. I really honestly think that he was just a skinny guy thin as a rail, because I think it was very obvious that the power of God was upon him. Right. It was unusual that Samson had power, (coughs) but not here. This guy must have been massive. He's breaking chains. They cannot subdue him. The people of this region were powerless to help or control or contain this man. The Gospel of Luke tells us that they tried to keep him under guard and couldn't. He struck fear in the people of this region and they were helpless to do anything about it. But we shouldn't only feel bad for the people of the region. Look at this poor man's life. Look at verse 5. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stone. What a pitiful situation this man finds himself in. It's no wonder that when he saw Jesus getting off the boat, he ran to him. There is hope. Now, we're not told how this man knew or recognized Jesus. We know that the the word about Jesus had spread and people from all different regions had come and seen him and different things. So it very well could have been from uh, all that it could also have come by the, from the fact that he's indwelt by demons who know who Jesus is. We're not told. But regardless, he recognized Jesus and he took off to seek help. 
And next we see in verses 6 through 13 how Jesus powerfully masters a whole lot of demons. Let's read in verse 6 through 13. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you. That means to call you under oath. I want you to swear by God, is what he's saying. Do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So Jesus was speaking to the unclean spirit, telling him to come out. And the unclean spirit is saying, hey, don't torment us, Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a Roman legion was about four to five thousand men. Okay, so this guy's got problems. Verse 10, the demon speaking, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying, now it's all the demons. They begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs in the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, a few things that we can note about this section of the passage. Jesus here is recognized as the Son of God by the demons. That's Mark's goal when he first begins the gospel. He says this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He wants us to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. No person recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God until the Roman Gentile soldier at the cross at the end of the book of Mark. The only ones that recognize who he is are the demons. And we see that here. Now, the fate of the demons is the lake of fire. They know this. They also recognize that Jesus has the power to judge them right now. So one of the demons says something like this. Hey, Jesus, swear to God you won't torment me yet. The ones who are tormenting this poor man don't want to be tormented. Realizing, though, that they must depart from this man because of the power of Jesus, one demon makes a request for all of them. Say, let us continue our destructive ways in this country by sending us into the pigs. You see, demons want to destroy. That's what they do. The demons are allowed. Isn't that interesting? We're told that the demons begged Jesus. He says, I'll allow it. He gives them their request. That's that's odd to me. The demons enter the pigs and they promptly destroy them. That's what they do. But let me ask you something this morning. Are you like the demons? Now, some of you parents may be saying, boy, my kids are. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Folks, are you like the demons? You know... That if you don't repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will face eternal damnation in hell. But you love your sinful, destructive ways so much that you just continue in them. Don't destroy me today, Jesus. Don't send me to be tormented today, Lord. Give me some more time to revel in my sin. 
Let me live my best life now. Don't torment me in hell just yet. Let me have my sin for just a little bit longer. Folks, don't let that be you. Sin destroys, that's what it does. And the consequences of our sin, the judgment upon our sin, is death and torment in hell. But God sent Jesus Christ to live a perfect life, a life that we couldn't live, to die unjustly on a cross and be buried. And then God overturned that injustice and raised Him from the dead. So that if I place my faith in Him as the sacrifice for my sins, His death pays for my sins. Because without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness of sins. And His righteousness becomes mine. I'm joined to Him. The mystical union. Spirit joins us to Jesus. His death is efficacious for my sins. His righteousness is put to my account. Your sin's not worth it. Whatever it is that's keeping you from repenting and following Jesus with your life, it's not worth it. Turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't be like the demons, persisting in your sin until the judgment day. You see, Jesus is the Son of God who powerfully reigns over the physical and spiritual realms. He's calm to see. Now He calms a man by overcoming a legion of demons. But why let the pigs be destroyed? I mean, what did they do, right? I believe that since demons are undetectable by the human eye, Jesus allowed this herd of pigs to be destroyed so that those who witnessed the aftermath would know what really happened. They would believe the accounts of the exorcism and they would fully understand that the demons were gone. Let's continue reading here and see that Jesus petrifies the people of the region. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 14 through 17. The herdsmen fled. That's a pretty natural response, right? The pigs that I'm in charge of, they just went over the, the hill. Right? They're in the sea. They fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Imagine you're, you're, in, you're in the town, right? You don't have too many activities, right? There's not streaming. There's not Internet. You're not carrying a supercomputer in your pocket. Life's maybe kind of bland and boring. And then suddenly this guy walks in and says, you will not believe what just happened. You know the guy that we're terrified of and that we can't subdue? This guy cast the demons out of him into a herd of pigs. And they went over a cliff and died in the sea. And like, he's okay now. Can you imagine? Everybody in the town would be like, i got to see this for myself, right? And then imagine when they, they walk over, they crest over the hillside, and they see this man who has terrified them, and he's sitting in his right mind, and he's clothed, 
Because Luke tells us that he was running around naked. So he's clothed and he's in his right mind. And they look at him and then they look at this herd of pigs washed up on the shore. And they're incredulous, but then they look at Jesus and they're afraid. There's no doubt that something amazing has taken place. I imagine the hairs on their necks stood up. And it was all because of this man, Jesus. Now, the reaction of the people is understandable. Jesus did something amazing that they could not do. He subdued the unsubduable man. So I, so I get their reaction, but it's their request of Jesus that's unexpected to me. They feared, I get it, but then they begged Jesus to depart from their region. I would have expected them to welcome Jesus like a conquering hero. It's like, dude, we were trying. I don't know what you did, but we couldn't do that. Thank you. But apparently they liked to be in control more than letting Jesus have control. They tried their best to control the unsubduable man and failed. They knew they had no chance of controlling Jesus. So they asked him to leave their country. Let me ask you this morning. Maybe you're not like the demons. That's good. But what if you're like the people of this country? You like to control the things pertaining to your life. You, you want to control your spouse. You want to direct the lives of your kids. You want to control your workplace. You get uncomfortable when things are out of your control. And if you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He may ask you to do things that make you uncomfortable. He may make your spouse follow Him in ways you wouldn't recommend. Like maybe getting a little more involved in the church. Jesus may want your children to enter the ministry and move far away. And you're thinking, if I serve Jesus, I may not fit in at work anymore. This Jesus, He's always the same, yet He makes life unpredictable. I can remember when God called me into the ministry and Kim said, look, I'll follow you anywhere as long as it's not cold. God said, no problem. But I remember, felt called in the ministry, told my pastor about it. He told me about a seminary that I could go to and work. I said, okay, well, I'm going to spend this year paying off my bills because we had some debts. I'm going to spend this year paying off my bills. And I had a plan. And and then next year we'll we'll enter seminary. And so my plan was I had some extra cars because... You know, you may have heard West Virginians, we have several cars, a couple of them run. Okay. So my plan was I'm going to sell this car and pay this bill off. And then I'm going to sell this car and pay this bill off. And, and then I'm going to take the money from those bills and pay this bill off. And, you know, the whole rolling debt thing. I mean, I had it all planned out. And, and then God started to work on my heart. And he said, David, I want you to give this car away. We'd come to a need. And I'm like, God, that's crazy. I'm like, Kim will not go for this. And then one night, we're sitting there, and Kim said, David, I think we should give that car to that girl that needs it. I'm like, oh, okay, God. I hadn't mentioned it. 
And so he did. And then God sold my, one of my other my other car that I had for sale. And then and then he gave us the biggest tax return I think I've ever had in my life, paid off all the other bills. And I'm like, OK, well, honey, the only thing that's keeping us from going to seminary this year is selling the house. And she said, OK, well, let's put up a sign and sell it. And so she she went to her. Her mom's. she took the kids up there for a week. And, and I remember it, man. I remember it well. It was a Wednesday evening. So uh, before I went to the Wednesday evening prayer service, I stuck a for sale sign in the yard and I went to the service and I got back and I had a message on the phone. Hey, welcome by your house. Saw that uh, your house was for sale. Please call us back. I called Kim and said, hey, honey, we got somebody that's ready to buy the house. And she she was she's like, what? Like she wasn't there. But this this whole like we were not in control of this situation at all. And it was uncomfortable. And it turns out we went to we went to seminary that year. We didn't wait a year. You see, we had our plan, but God had his. You know, that Jesus, he never changes, but he may he make your life unpredictable. You may find yourself some faraway place like Mission, Texas, which I'd never heard of in my life. But boy, has God been good to our family. But it's unpredictable. Do you fear giving your life over to someone who can control the things that you can't? Do you fear following Jesus? Oh, friend, don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. There's no better place to be than Serving the Lord. It, it may not be easy. It may not be popular. It may not be financially rewarding. But it's what's best for you. Serve Him in your home. Serve Him in your workplace. Serve Him in your church. Repent of your sin and serve Jesus with your life. It's worth it. Because Jesus is the Son of God who powerfully reigns, sometimes in unexpected ways. In fact, we see an un, another unexpected way in which Jesus reigns in verses 18 through 20, where Jesus points the subdued man home. It says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. It's just unusual. It's an unusual story, isn't it? Demons begged Jesus to let them go into the herd of pigs. And Jesus said, yes. The people begged Jesus to leave their region. And Jesus said, yes. And throughout the book of Mark, we've seen Jesus call people to follow him. And this man says, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no. Jesus is the son of God who powerfully reigns, sometimes in very unexpected ways. This man whom Jesus saved is denied his request, but he accepts it. And he follows Jesus by obeying Jesus. And his obedience is not going to be easy and comfortable. I want you to understand that. Everyone in that region knows what he was like. Everyone saw him running around naked. 
Everyone saw him cutting himself like a lunatic. Everyone was terrified of this guy. Now, can you imagine being him? Walking into town, maybe he's going to the pick, some, pick up some groceries or whatever, some supplies. And he's, he goes over to pick up some flour or whatever, and there's a guy standing there, and he goes, Hey, weren't you that guy that ran around naked? Yeah. And then he goes up, and he's standing in line, and another guy says, Hey, man, you, you used to terrify me. You remember that time you beat me up? Every time he meets people, hey, aren't you that guy? And he, swallowing his embarrassment or owning up to his his violence, would say, yes, that was me. But let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ who changed my life. And then that person would marvel at the goodness and mercy of God. Are you like the man in this story? Even when God says no to your prayers, when He says no to your plans, do you continue to obey Him? Even when obedience is difficult? I mean, I imagine being this guy, it's like, send me anywhere but home. Right? You don't understand what I've done to all these people, Lord. Obedience is difficult, but it's best. (laughs) And I want, you, I want you to know this morning, it's worth it. I want to encourage you that it will be worth it to serve Jesus with your life. Tell others about the goodness and mercy of God in your life. Then invite them to repent of their sins and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him like you are. You see, God had a purpose for the man who was possessed by many demons. When this story began, there was no testimony of Jesus in this Gentile region, only rumors. After the events of this story, after the peril of the boat ride over, after all that, there is a well-known transformed life that gives testimony to some important things. Three things I've written down. One is that the Lord's mercy is for Gentiles as well as Jews. Remember the unclean region and the unclean man and the unclean spirits and the unclean pigs. (laughs) The Lord's mercy is for Gentiles as well as Jews. This story is foreshadowing the Gentiles receiving mercy through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Second thing, Jesus powerfully reigns over the spiritual realm. Our battle is against the spiritual realm. We're reclaiming people out of Satan's kingdom Into Jesus' kingdom. That's our job. That's the war we're in. And it's a war of words, not weapons, not politics. It's a war of words about the gospel. Reclaiming people for Jesus Christ. And you have no need to fear a legion of demons. Number three, Jesus is the Lord. Notice what Jesus says to the man in verse 19. I want you to go back to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Now note what the man says to others in verse 20. He began to proclaim how much who? Jesus had done for him. See, Jesus is the Lord. Who's in control of your life right now? God had a purpose for the man who was possessed by many demons. 
He imperiled a group of disciples. Now, it wasn't they weren't really in peril, right? Because they were in the presence of Jesus, but they sure thought they were going to die. And they go across the ocean and they reach one person and then leave. God had a purpose. He left a testimony in that region. God had a purpose for the man who was possessed by many demons. And God has a purpose for you as well. Let him use your transformed life for his glory. Jesus is the son of God who powerfully reigns, sometimes in unexpected ways, but always for good. Who is in control of your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you have shown mercy to Gentiles, to everyone. Lord, through Jesus Christ, we thank you that Jesus has power over the spiritual realm and we need not fear. And Father, we thank You that Jesus is Lord. Lord, there are some here who have not accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They have not repented of their sins and trusted Christ as the sacrifice for their sins. They're reveling in their sins. They want to continue in their sins. Lord, I pray that this morning You've opened their eyes to the glories of Christ and Your goodness. I pray that you'll save them. And then, Father, there's others who have been grasping hard and fast to thinking they are in control of their lives and not serving you and trusting you. I pray, Father, that they will repent and serve you with their lives. And then, Father, there are some who are obeying you like this man whom you saved. I thank you for them. What a blessing they are to our church. Pray that you'll bring more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.